This is Ryan. And this is Wayne. And this is Kill the Rabbit Podcast, episode we don't know, because we're doing titles now. Uh, and now it's 2017. Our last episode was in October. Like five years ago, right? I know. It feels like a million years ago. Because we were trying to do it last week, but then something came up and wasn't able to. And Can anybody identify? Something always comes up. Yeah. It's uh, interesting, to say the least, to try to schedule things. Especially after you fell off the horse. So, it's back, so that's definitely good, I'm sure. Um, I'll have to ask Ian if he still is listening after two months. <laughs> so, we'll make it interesting. The um, So, over the last, since October, I, um, my position, all the code that I wrote that was in Python... Um, we decided to go to C-sharp. I wasn't very happy about that. Now, this is at your real-world job. That's my real-world job. Um, so it was confusing, and I didn't really understand why. Um, uh, they were debating between going to Node or C-sharp, but our talent is more C-sharp level, so that's where we're converting all my stuff into C-sharp, um... So we renewed my contract for 2017 for me to help with that effort, and it's fine. I mean, um, I had looked at another place, and we all liked each other, and they... This is another job you looked mm-hmm. at? Yeah. Uh, we we talked on the phone, and then they met me, and they made an offer that day. Uh, so that was really nice. At least, so when I do interviews, I always say yes. It makes my employers very nervous, but I do it because there's no other time that you can get practice in doing interviews. Well, and there's an outside chance that you may stumble across something that's worthy of pursuit. Yeah, but like if they don't hire me, it's not a big deal, and I got a good experience. And I think that's a really backwards way of doing it. All the engineers that I talk to never, when they look for another job, they're nervous because they haven't looked for a job in so long that they have a hard time with the interviews. Well, and back up a little bit. You were talking about the C-sharp thing that was going on. Uh, A lot of people can identify with, hey, I'm comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. I know this. Let's do it in this. It mm-hmm. may not be the best program to use for the job, but I know this. Yes. And so let's not tread into fearful territory. Let's do something that's comfortable. Therefore, we're, and, and if you happen to have seniority, you rule the day. You know. And at first, it, it was more of a lesson in corporate, um, or not even that, just like, a certain type of style of how you run your whatever. They're not a software company. So why am I looking at it like they are? You know what I mean? Mm. They just want to get it done. And since we're going to another technology this year um, as a second part of the project, in retrospect, it actually makes sense. And I'll brush up on my skills with C-sharp which is fine. I'm still doing all the Python, and we just released Python 3.6 yesterday, which is really good. And the arguments that I was having with the people about that wanted to convert everything to Node, because everybody that I see 
it's either you have node people or you have Python people. There's very many other people in between, but those two, we don't like node, they don't like Python. Now in retrospect, I don't claim to know things that I don't know, but I feel like if you programmed in Python a long time ago, you feel that it's the same thing and it's just a scripting language and you don't understand how it's progressed. So the exciting thing about 3.6 is that we've come out, or someone, not we, I didn't do anything, The uh, this guy, his name is Channel Cat, that's his, that's his Cat. name on uh, online on GitHub, released a, uh, uh, a repo called Sanic. And what it is, is it's a Flask wrapper. So Flask is like a like a web server. So uh, when you go to google.com, it'll route to a web server. And when, it, when you're searching for something, that server will return the results back to you. So Flask is the same thing. It's a web framework for Python. Mm, okay. The problem that we had with Flask, or the, you know, that node people will get up in arms about, is that Flask <clears throat> isn't as fast at I.O. as, or input-output, um, as Node is, even though Node is single-threaded, that's another story. Um, with Sanic, it utilizes Python 3.5 uh, uh, advantages that allow it to do something on what's called a UV loop, which allows it to um, uh, process and, and do like 33,000 responses in 3 milliseconds. So that's twice as fast as Node. So that's as far reading as I went, because that's all I needed. Uh, to reaffirm myself, because sometimes as a Python developer, you look around at all these new technologies coming out, and you're like, oh man, maybe I need to, but you feel pulled in 20 different directions, and I don't have all the time in the world to doodle with all these new things. Right. So, that was that was exciting in, uh, in, in nerd news. But, um, the other thing, over the break, just thinking about what am I doing? How are things progressing? Um, I think in October or maybe before I was talking about how I was organizing my time. Um, I had decided to switch between Realm and the other thing that I'm working on, um, excuse me, every other day. So I'd work on Realm one day and then the thing the next day, and then Realm the next day. And I noticed that when it got harder, I would opt in to work on the other one more. And They call the path of least resistance. <laughs> yes, and I was trying to call it, I need to take a break. But what I didn't realize was, it's not need to take a break as much as it is, like you said, it's, least of, it's not hard. It's not as hard. Um, because it's frustrating when, it, when you don't know what you're doing. But I can't do that, like at work, if I'm facing a problem, I can't just say, well, I'm done with this for now. I'm going to go do something else. I'll get fired. Like you have to keep pushing. And so what I realized over the break, and I don't know why, to me this seems like earth shattering, but I, I realized I need to run my priorities just like I run a software project. In a software project, you have issues, and you organize them by priority, and you work on one thing at a time, or maybe two. And once you knock that out, you do the next thing. And uh, so I was looking at, I, I want to try to dabble and start learning Go, which is Google's language. 
uh, which has a lot of advantages for speed and, and where uh, Python may kind of lag behind a performance, Go will excel. Um, uh, you know, then you have Haskell and then Erlang and all these things to do like super high, um, like multi-threaded or, or high concurrency uh, to the point where you can run, I can run two things at the same time and not worry about race conditions where they'll access the same thing at the same time and have a problem. Um, but I realized I, I don't have time for that. I, I can't, what am I going to do? Learn five languages in a week while I do Realm and while I do the other, like just realizing that it's just not physically possible. And with that multitasking of constantly switching back and forth, the net effect is I'm really not getting anything done or not much of it. And so I was like, well, you know, I'll spend a week on this and then a week on that. Well, the week that I wasn't working on that, that I was working on this, now I kind of forgot things that are important in process of working on that. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. So I said, you know what? I, I don't know why it took me this long to realize this. And maybe it's just the way my brain works. But just because you can do something doesn't mean that it's a good idea. So I split it, and now I just work on the thing. And I'm only going to do that until I get my minimum viable product, and I release it. And I calculated the time. It looks like it's four months. And then I'm going to go back to Realm, and then I'm only going to do that. And then all the learning stuff is going to come later after I'm in a better position. But that's what I... And I don't like it, because I feel like... Uh, but I realize like your life is full of goals and things you want to accomplish, and it's just not possible to accomplish every single thing you want to before you're dead. Well, I think I, I'm just trying to think of a good example of I think what you're trying to say. And one example might be you know if you think about it in uh, the world of academics, you go to school, college, whatever, grad school, and everything is pretty well scoped out for you. You read your syllabus, you find out who your teachers are and what their expectations are, and study for tests, write papers, and so forth. And even though it's stressful and crazy and you have to organize your time to study and get things done in a timely way, it's still pretty organized and there still is a target mm -hmm. you're shooting for. I think when you get out in the real world after school is all school is out and um, you realize that okay I learned a lot of stuff most of it was theoretical not a ton of practical stuff necessarily but there's a whole lot of it's like um, you could go to the library on campus and you could read and study in a quiet environment but then after school is out the world's a pretty noisy place mm -hmm. it's hard to focus on one thing there's lots of demands on your time and it's really up to you to get organized in your thinking and maintain a focus on, you know, one or maybe two target things that you're trying to accomplish. And it's a daily challenge because every day is different. There's all kinds of stuff between illness and traffic and, you know, somebody needs you here or there. Uh, things didn't work out the way you thought they would, so you have to do a course correction. Life is that way and mm -hmm. so to be able to be flexible enough to to yes bounce when you need to bounce because you can't be too rigid or you'll break there are right. some things you have to be willing to be flexible to on the other hand if something is really important how do you keep it 
out in front mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in your thinking so that even with all the interruptions and the craziness of life, that you don't lose sight of it. Um, I, I find that as, I'm really challenged with that myself. And I don't really have a lot to say about, you know, from last when the last time we met and any particular progress. Matter of fact, things kind of drifted into the background. And I could sit and make a lot of excuses because a lot of things have happened. And, and it's not like I've been sitting around watching TV and eating ice cream all this time. I've been busy doing a lot of different things. But I will say that the one good thing, even though I haven't made progress in, in the writing that I was going to be doing, I think I'm much more aware, and, and this is a source of frustration too, I'm much more aware of the distractions now than I was before. Mm-hmm. Before, I think I found myself just becoming distracted and not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, going down those rabbit trails and not even thinking about the fact that I just left the road three days ago and where the world am I? Yeah, I'm more aware of that now. And like I say, it is a source of frustration to know that, but it's also kind of a continual, you know, kick in the pants to say, hey, um, get back on track, make a course correction or something mm-hmm. because you need to be you need to be heading to some target that's meaningful to you well and so getting real with yourself about so how i made the choice between the two projects cuz i was like okay i can't do them both at the same time fine i understand that so let's look at realm how close are we to marketability or going to market with realm mm not we're not very far along because it's a huge undertaking but realistically can i get there in a year me maybe but i'm working all the time that i'm spending at work is taking away time from this so i need to do something that's a little bit smaller a little bit more bite size so the other thing that i'm working on has a clear definition has a clear penetration of the market, has a clear um, company that we've already talked to that that will use the app. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 was doing, I was working on Android for so long, and then when I went to iOS, it was just so much smoother and easier. And a lot of your premium users that are going to pay, a lot of your salespeople that we're marketing towards, have iPhones. Most sales guys, if you look, have an iPhone. Hands down. Almost every single one I've ever met has an iPhone. Why are you building this on an Android? Logically, it makes sense in my mind because, well, you know, I know more Java. I'm more familiar with Java because of school than I am with iOS, which is Objective-C and Swift. So I was like, "Mm, we have to go with iOS. So it's been easier, but then I realized, okay, plan it out. I I don't know how to do these certain things because I don't know the language. So we're going to take time and run through tutorials so you get the basics of what it is that you're actually doing. So I, I said, okay, we're going to plan this out just like I plan out software. And th- this, is the, this is step one, two, three, so on and so forth, all the way to completion. And you're going to run it. And, and when, you have, when you force yourself to like come down to reality, and, and that's where it fell apart on Realm side because I was like, 
Okay, we go to market. Okay, is it on the server or on the cloud? Why do you have two devices? Should it be on one? Okay, you can't process all that. What about licensing? All those things fast become a problem, right? And it's not that it's necessarily a problem. It's just an area that you haven't looked at because you haven't been forced to evaluate it because you've been in la-la land playing games with how it's so amazing that you're going to make a million dollars. Looking at how my minimum viable product will penetrate the market and I get to a million dollars is hard. And it looks like an uphill battle from the other thing that's the bite-sized thing. And there's a lot of things that happen, exponential growth and things that you can't control and word of mouth and all that other stuff that may go well for you. But just understanding that it's going to be hard. But goal number one has to be replace my income to recoup my 40 hours. And to do that, this thing has to go first to completion. Not they're both half-assed done. One has to be done. Right. And it has to happen soon. Because you have accountability with my partners that I'm saying, you know, they're looking at me like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry. I'm working on two projects at once. They're like, okay, Ryan, think about that like this. One will make money <laughs> right now, soon. One, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Pick. And, and when you have to get real with yourself, it's difficult. And it was really hard for me to plan out the, the app because I was like, I, I was doing it and I was like, okay, I'm going to make it do this, this, and that. And then I was like, I don't even understand the basics. Like, you have to go back to square one. And so I was, you know, as I'm looking, listening to podcasts and, and, you know, really kind of frustrated. I read one of my journal entries from in April and it was super depressing. And I thought everything is going to hell in a handbasket. And then I write the journal entry for that day and it's super positive. And realizing that it really is the marathon. It really is a long-term goal. Being an entrepreneur is a lifestyle choice. It's never going to end. I even thought about it today. Let's say I have $100 million and this stupid app goes, and it's amazing, right? And all your back-end services, your B2B business model, yada, yada, yada. You now, let, let's be more realistic. You have $10 million. What are you going to do? If I had $10 million right now, uh, like, I like you realize that it's not, that wasn't ever the destination. So playing games with yourself like that, you realize you're focusing on a goal that when you hit it, it's not that you're going to, it's not the end of the road because money is just a byproduct of you following your dream and doing what you love to do. You know what I'm thinking about as you're talking about this, that the most difficult thing, and it certainly is for me, is on the road. You know, you, you look at the, uh, probably a good example is the guys that prep for the, the Olympics. And there's day after day, week after week, month after month, somewhere four years down the road, I'm going to, to see how this all paid off. Mm -hmm. But the tough part is staying at it a day at a time. And, yes. and uh, you, you may find that there's, there's times when you're, you're just rolling along, making progress, and then you, you hit this wall at some point, and I don't know what, where to go next. And so it's easy at that point to take that detour and take the easier little side thing that you were working on rather than just sticking with this and going for it. Now, in your case, the other thing that you're talking about, it's not just that it's 
easier. It's just it's also a quicker turnaround, yeah. which could fund the bigger thing. And so that's right. a, that's a wiser choice there. Right. But I'm thinking more in terms of just staying with anything that's difficult mm-hmm. that has a long term payoff somewhere down the road, maybe, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just hanging in there. Mm-hmm. And I find for myself, I have to admit, I'm lazy. Um, I, you know, I used to say, well, I'm just kind of easygoing. No, I'm lazy. I would much rather, when things get too tough or I'm not sure what to do, kind of give myself a, you know, why don't you just take it easy? Don't mm-hmm. don't sweat it. Rather than saying, you know what, um, this calls for some sweat and some blood here. And why don't you just put your nose to the grindstone and really work at it for a period of time. And I'm not saying for weeks or months, maybe just a shorter period of time just to increase your perseverance. Yeah. You know, we've talked about perseverance and how, and I, I have to admit, I'm, I have a shortage of that. I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of perseverance. Uh, some people will say, well, you have perseverance here doing this that you like doing. And I say, well, the key to that is I like doing that. So perseverance doesn't even play into that. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I do that because I love to do it. Well, and I think, I think that is a gift to, Otherwise, our projects would never get off the ground. I think the gift is you love to do something. You gain a lot of that initial inertia to do something until you hit it, and it's hard. And being an entrepreneur, just like being a writer, it's the same thing. Um, you're pushing a boulder up the hill. So you'll, some days you're strong and you push it up a little bit, but then other days you, you slip. But you can't give up, otherwise you get rolled over. Um, and, and it just kept coming to my mind of, okay... The podcast now, we're at episode 20, right? It's going well. 20 is almost half a year. So I I was hearing this podcast about laddering up. So laddering up is like Netflix started by buying um, um, videos from Walmart and then mailing them to their customers and saying there's no late fees, return it when you want. I did not know that. That was it. That hmm. was it. No late fees. Blockbuster was just raping people with like $300 bills. You remember that? Like mm. you, whoops, I forgot my VHS. Mm-hmm. $55. Otherwise you can't rent from here again. They put them out of business, right? So their initial piece was, we're just going to go to Walmart. And this is what they actually did. They bought movies and then they just mailed them to people. And then they lost some money, but you know, I'm sure they bought them at bulk. But then they laddered up and they gained enough money that they could start purchasing license agreements with like B movies and then streaming that through their platform. And then they laddered up and then they start purchasing bigger movies. So now you have the A-listers. Then they laddered up Then they built a production company and they started creating their own content. Then they laddered up and now they're releasing Netflix movies in movie theaters. Now they have people like Kevin Spacey who they, they with House of Cards, they put down like a hundred million dollars and they bought the best writers, the best producers, and they said, here's $100 million, create us a series that's going to be amazing. And they said, do you want us to do a write-up? And they said, no, you're the best in the business. Do whatever you want. So now, do you want to go work for Universal Studios, or do you want to go work for Netflix where they let you do whatever you want to? And the product of that is House of Cards, which is, I mean, Obama watched it. it like That's how much pull it has with the public hmm. and it's about a president. So the thing that rang true for me, was laddering up. Right. So I was like, 
we're doing the podcast, right? So you always want to concentrate on improving. Uh, maybe it lagged a little bit because maybe we're getting a little low on content. Maybe we're getting a little low on inertia. Maybe we need to introduce some other things. Maybe we need to get real with ourselves like I was talking about over these last couple of weeks. Sorry, I keep burping. Over these last couple of weeks. Um, so I was thinking, okay, what are next steps, right? So next steps, in my mind, you have an audience that's listening to the podcast. Some people don't just like audio. Maybe they like to read things. Um, I read a blog post, a blog post by a guy who uh, I think his name is I forgot his name, but he has an app called Slopes. It's like uh, Map My Run. You know when you run around, it tracks your miles and stuff. Right. It's for snowboarders. Um, and and he said I, I'm just going to start writing about this because I heard about it on a podcast of just being real with how things are going. He posted his numbers and how well or not well it's doing and how scared he is to do these things. And he's fumbling around trying to be successful and trying to create money. The initial goal was to make enough money to pay for his snowboarding season, to go snowboard, snowboarding and have it paid for. These are the things that entrepreneurs aren't going to talk about, right? And, and, and when I read that, I was like, that's so inspiring to me because, because you know, what's wrong with Alexa and Google Home and these things that I'm competing with with Realm? they're losing sight of the customer. Like, what does the customer want to do? What's the it factor? What's the thing about your product that makes people just say, wow, I really like that. I really like that because it meets my need. If you right. look at Amazon, Amazon's just a microphone and a speaker. But you do some magic on marketing side and some web services on the back end, you, you create this experience. And so that's what I'm, I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to share this experience of Realm, and maybe it needs to be in a textual format. Maybe I need to do a blog in addition to the podcast. And not only can I build my minimum viable product, but I take my minimum viable audience along for the ride. Who do you think are going to be the first people that buy the Realm? My minimum viable audience. Yeah, that's true. You cross-market between the two. I do blog posts. The thing he does that's genius is he has 16 posts. Well, when you start reading this thing, it's chronological. So where do you think you start? Post number one. So then every post that he adds, if that person is diligent reading all, all 16, you don't just read the one post that's number 16. You read one through 16, and all the, all the ads that he has on that blog, he gets revenue on. So one page view becomes 16, or X number, depending on how many blog posts you write. But if I'm writing every week about the realm and my adventures or the things that I'm struggling with or doing and take people along for that ride. Granted, this blog probably won't start for a couple months until I'm done with the other thing because I want to fully devote myself to it. But that that's the thing that I can do to ladder up. You know, I write that blog post. I get i get notoriety in the market. I've won two hackathons with, with other people. Um, that's some notoriety. I got press for that, right? Like certain people know who I am because I gave a presentation on Django at an Ezra conference. Not a lot of people, like 20 people, but <laughs> it's something, right? Sure. Um, you know, one of those guys I went on and he went on to be a, an amazing Python developer out in Austin. It, that was a contact from that. No, we could say that me talking about Django inspired him to do more Django stuff. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But what if it was? How cool would that be, right? Right. So I'm starting my minimum viable product uh, with my minimum viable audience. I'm taking them along for the journey. I'm accepting pe feedback from the minimum viable audience so that I'm not, you know, going in the wrong direction. 
they could say, Ryan, we really like the Realm, but it would be really cool if it did this because Alexa doesn't do that. I wasn't even thinking about that. Sure, let me throw it in. So at the end of the day, I'm giving you something that you want, and people believe in you because it's your brand. The only thing they want to do is give you their money. Hmm. Because when I buy products from people that I really like, that I really like them as a person, I, su- I do it because I support them. Yeah. I believe in them. So like that's the thing that really rang true for me as p- part of my goals in 2017. It's just, you know, concentrate on what that next step is and laddering up. And, and I think the blog really kind of plays into that. And if I get featured on other things that cross popular, that cross markets for the podcast, then people start wanting, maybe you do appearances at conferences. Maybe people want to start subcontracting you for doing consulting work. Maybe it gives you ideas to build a product company. Like the guy that was talking about laddering up said, I start every company with a blog. And I just hone that blog and I look at feedback and I build a product from what I'm blogging about. So that was really inspiring for me. Um, But like I said, since I have to kind of adhere to this thing that I'm doing now where I'm doing one thing at a time, I can't start the blog and do the other thing because I'm doing a thing that I can't talk about because I'm under NDA. So I will start it after I complete. Um, And I'll probably throw in some stuff. I'll talk to the guys once we are releasing because of our marketing push. You know, maybe there will be a blog about that and you can cross market between the three. So it's just... I thought it was really interesting. It was really inspiring um, because it's it's a concentration on something that you can do. You right. Know? I agree. Well, and that's good. Um, something else that caught my attention, you were talking about the the guy that uh, wanted to finance his snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that sticks in my mind is that this motivated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't motivate you. But whatever it takes, and sometimes I think the reason that we're not um, getting more focused and staying focused is that the motivation isn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not doing something to incentivize yourself strongly enough to stick with it or stay focused, and um, because yeah, there's always going to be distractions, and I, I think. You know, when I, I mentioned earlier that, that I feel like I've been kind of lazy, and, and I think that's true. But I think it keeps you from really entertaining the possibilities of, as you step out, that something great could happen, but it comes at a price. And you're going to have to be focused. You're going to have to persevere. There's going to be some sacrifices of other things that you... Like you're saying, you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to let some things go in order to focus on this. And um, then there's that daily battle. Not all of us are really positive by nature. I'm not. Uh, keeping your thoughts positive about stuff, particularly when you start hitting the rough spots. Mm-hmm. Stay positive, whatever you have to do. So Well, and... That's why I thought it was, because uh, I kind of touched on the writing thing, right? Like, the blog is a more, it's a different medium, right? This is audio. Not everyone listens to podcasts. 
um, with text, I can actually like show code or like show problems or show issues that I'm dealing with that are real world things. Like I think it's valuable for people to see someone that's been programming since they were 13 who never graduated from college, tried to go to college, did some, and then just kept getting hired in the market, ran a company, failed a company, not failed, but you know, it didn't, I'm not a millionaire. So it, it was a learning experience. And I think someone's take on new technologies and their life and their story that's their brand. Yeah. But so for 2017, um, finish the thing. Um, and then I'll have, uh, I guess six months to more, uh, eight months on realm. So, I mean, I'm sure realm will be pretty far along in that and then do the blog, uh, and then see what's next. It's good. Do you have anything for 2017? <laughs> no, I have absolutely nothing. I'm going to skate through the whole year and be I don't lazy. think that the uh, lazy no good bone. Um, no, I. One of the reasons I like doing this, even knowing tonight as I came into this with you, that I really didn't have much to say about where I was. Hold on. I'm getting a phone call. Continue. I. Um, these podcasts are good for me because uh, it keeps things on the front burner. Yes, I have a lot of things going on in my life. I'm not just being lazy. But I'm probably not making the wisest choice in how to use my time. Uh, not bad things, just things that um, fill up the voids. And I need to uh, purpose to set aside time to get back on track and so I'm not on track right now I admit that um, slap myself and say hey come on get back um, so I think and and I even slacked off this last year in my journaling which I usually do pretty regularly and that's been always a good thing for me to do to write things down it gets me thinking about stuff so I, I think in the next uh, the next week I'm going to be doing some more journaling and just kind of reaffirming mm -hmm. the direction I need to be going and and just reevaluating. Okay, so you got off track. Um, how do you get back on? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's it going to take? What what are the potential sacrifices you're going to have to make to do that? The journaling really, uh, I think that's what started all of it because we kind of. I'm going to drop the podcast, just, you know, we had the holidays and everything, but I mean, two months is a little much, but, um, when I started journaling and, and just for some reason, like the writing part of it really, it's a different thing. It's like a different effect. And like, and like I started when I realized that, you know, when I interviewed with that job, right. And they were like, Hey, come on. And I was like, you know what? No, it, you know, I I realized I was trying to go work for someone that's a startup because that's what I want to do. But if I go work for a startup, that's no risk for me and I don't have any of the gains. Right. So, I mean, you want to do your own thing. Let's not beat around the bush. That's what you want to do. Like, that's not going to be found in getting another job. No, it's really not. But before we go, to... Uh, 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 there were two guys, there were neighbors, and they loved The Walking Dead, the show. So, 
they they when their wives would go to bed they would go and you know hang out with each other and talk about the walking dead until one day they decided that well you know let's just start a podcast about the walking dead their first seven episodes they would like invent guests coming on because they knew no one was listening to the show so they would call in they would have fake callers which i guess was themselves call in and ask questions and they'd be like well it's so great that you asked that question well let me go ahead and answer it for you blah 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 and so then uh uh i think in like episode eight or something they decided let's go down and see them shooting the walking dead so they went down there and they did like a podcast down there and they actually got to talk to one of the actors and then they they uh uh a little later got one of the actors to actually come on their show and do an interview from from one of the shows from the show itself which their ratings just started going through the roof then then now they they uh uh the people that work on the show are called walker stalkers so the so the um hair and makeup people so they called the podcast the walker stalkers and then now they have the walker stalker con which is a conference and in one year, they've done 18 conferences and served over 600,000 people. Wow. It's a full-time gig for them now. Now, not only do they have one actor, but they have, on average, seven actors from the show showing up at these conferences, including one of them that, I forgot his name, but one of the main ones who never goes to any of those things, and he agreed, and they, it's just, it's insanity. That's wild. But... It just comes from doing something that you're passionate about. Right. And I think that's really inspirational because it just shows you, like talking about a stupid TV show, mm. right? Really. But but like I said about the customers and like what I said about, is it meeting the need for the customer? Is it really touching them? You know, is it a personal connection with them? That's why with the blog, people don't want to read about how I made a million dollars in a year last year on the realm. They want to read about what it was like when I had nothing. And what it was like when I'm struggling with staying relevant or trying to compete with these trillion dollar companies. But I think it, uh, but like you said, the journaling, I think I, I started journaling and then everything started to just gel and come together. But then accepting that it's a long term life choice to be an entrepreneur and realizing that, like I thought about it seriously, if I had $10 million in my bank account right now, what would I do? Not really much anything different than I'm doing right now, except I'd be running around in a Ventador Lamborghini, <laughs> right? And I would vacation 12 times a year instead of four. Mm-hmm. Not much of a difference. Um, so, I don't know. Until next time, that's what I'm going to work on, and then we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Did you have anything else? Nope. I, I have said my piece. Well, that was really fun. We'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye.